For the past two years at Women Offshore, we've had a mentoring program. This was a dream of mine from the very beginning, and putting it together has been exciting, and I've loved the success stories coming out of it. This program virtually connects both mentors and mentees, and it's designed for women anywhere in the world who have experience or currently work on the water in the maritime or offshore oil and gas industries. Today, you're going to hear from someone behind the software of the program, as well as an understanding of some best practices for virtual mentoring. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Our mentoring program has had about 150 women in it for the last couple years. And we've used a software called Mentor Loop. And thanks to their generosity, we're able to expand that program to 500 participants. We've really appreciated their support and their generosity at this time. Behind the software are actually two women, Lucy Lloyd and Heidi Holmes. They come from the tech industry, and they knew that mentoring often just favors the bold. They thought they could do something different, so they created this software to better connect people regardless of their gender or where they are in life. I'm pleased to introduce you to Lucy, one of the co-founders, and she is the CEO. Before MentorLoop, she ran strategy for leading global brands for over 10 years. In 2016, Lucy parlayed this experience into co-founding MentorLoop. I'm so excited to welcome Lucy to the show to learn more about this software, but also what we can all learn to get the most out of our virtual mentoring relationships. Welcome, Lucy, to the Women Offshore podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. As most people know who know me, I'm very passionate about mentoring. So please start out by sharing why you started MentorLoop. Thanks so much for having me, Ali. Um, yeah, so why we started MentorLoop. So so I started MentorLoop with a co-founder, Heidi. And before we were co-founders, we were friends. So we'd known each other since we were teenagers. And about probably seven or eight years ago now, we were together having a glass of wine um, and swapping stories about our own careers and our professional and personal development. Um, and we started to talk about the concept of mentoring, specifically related to when you're transitioning into a new industry, and both of us were kind of entering the tech space at that time, how wonderful it is to be able to connect with, you know, a future version of yourself, if you can find one who can help you navigate that transition into a new role or to a new industry or to your next opportunity. And we believe that the right connection can change your life, but we were really aware that those connections aren't always accessible or available to everybody. Mentoring, when kind of left to happen organically, tends to favour the bold and it favours people who already have fantastic networks. And so Heidi and I wanted to build basically kind of a mentoring dating site so we could make those mentoring opportunities more visible and more accessible to everybody. We've really enjoyed using MentorLoop the last couple years. This month is, I believe, our two-year anniversary. Yep. Happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you. So for us as female seafarers, mentoring virtually has been important because you can go off on a ship and be anywhere in the world, connect to the internet, and have access to your mentor or mentee. For others, though, probably they didn't think about 
mentoring virtually, it seems that you were onto something even before COVID-19 happened and, and much of the population is having to work virtually. So why mentor others, especially virtually, even if we weren't in this pandemic? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. And I think you know, in terms of why mentoring, I, I think that, you know, there's there's a lot of things that have changed in our lives over the past kind of 20 years, you know, and as tech has become more and more prevalent, we've actually kind of lost a bit of our human connection. And we've also lost some of the skills that we used to kind of take for granted, because so much stuff is automated now, you know, we, we've, we've lost the ability to do certain things. And we've lost the ability a little bit to make those human connections, because we don't necessarily have to in this, you know, more technical world. So we want to start Mentor Loop to use technology to put skills back into people and to put, you know, more of that humanity back in our relationships. But yeah, you're right uh, that the virtual aspect is becoming more and more important. And yes, coronavirus has brought this to the fore. But even before that, we found that too often people were constrained by their um, access to networks or even just their geographic access. And so enabling virtual mentoring levels the playing field. It means that everyone can access development opportunities. Everyone can access these, you know, potentially life-changing connections, even if they're in, you know, remote regional Australia or if they're, yeah, working on an offshore oil rig. When you are mentoring virtually, what makes for a good mentoring relationship? And does that change whether you're in person or it's a virtual relationship? I don't think it does change a lot. I think that there's there's kind of principles that hold true regardless of the type of mentoring relationship that you're involved in and and where I'd say you should start is is with why why do you seek a mentoring relationship I think for a lot of people when you say to them would you like a mentor they say yeah that'd be nice thank you and they're kind of thinking about mentoring for mentoring's sake because it does sound wonderful to find a mentor but really we need to scratch below the surface of that and that's something we do with our users um, and our clients at Mentor Loop is we we lead them towards having more of an outcomes-based focus. So thinking about your goals, thinking about what you want to achieve, and then the mentoring relationship flowing from that. Because if you start with the outcome that you want to achieve, then that makes the choice of mentor easier. It makes the first conversations, the approach easier. So we, we do recommend starting with why. Why mentoring for you at this juncture in your career or, or your personal life? Beyond that, once you, you know kind of what you want to achieve, great mentoring relationships are kind of, you know, defined by, by mutual respect and preparation, which go hand in hand. You know, if the mentee really respects their mentor's time, then they will spend time preparing preparing. They'll, um, you know, they'll set the agenda. They'll be driving the kind of momentum of that relationship so that the mentor really comes to, to be in that kind of support role and the mentee is, is driving it. We also believe great mentoring, regardless of whether it's virtual or in person, is defined by reciprocity. And, and by that, I mean that both parties are thinking about how they can help the other. You know, it's a two-way street. It does, you know, both parties benefit, both parties emerge richer for the experience. Uh, and then finally, regardless of whether it's virtual or in person, you know, gratitude is really important because it is a privilege to be able to connect with someone else around the transitions or the challenges that you face in your professional or personal life. And so having that gratitude at the forefront is is really important. Yeah, it seems that the mentors and mentees who I speak with and in our community get so much out of the relationship 
not just the mentee, but also the mentor. I really like how it's a two-way street, and I really appreciate how you guys have set up the program. You know, someone joins, they have to set that goal. Going back to your first point, how important it is to set that goal out where you're going to go so you can get the most out of the relationship. And I think it also helps just getting the conversation started where someone can say, hi, you know, my name is, this is what I do, and and this is where I want to head. So I like the design aspect. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's so important to just start with the outcome that you're wanting to achieve because it, it everything flows from that and it makes everything easier. So we've been running the program for two years now. And, and before then, I had a pilot program going with about 20, I think it was 23 people in it. And I learned the hard way that I really needed a central location and it would allow us to create some more resources for our participants. And so MentorLoop has been a game changer for our community. And it's just so interesting to me because the women in our community, a lot of them wanted this. We did a survey back in when we started, it was within our first year. And we saw that 67% of our community who answered that survey wanted a formal mentoring program. I believe that you have other female mentoring programs within MentorLoop that probably have some similar experiences to ours. Can you give some insight as to why women would want mentoring and why it's important to mentor women? Absolutely. And I think before I do, I do just want to shout out to Women Offshore because it is, it's a phenomenal organization that you've set up, Ali. And I think it's, you know, the fact that you're, I guess, listening to your community and asking them what they want for a start is amazing. We ask mentors and mentees how they're feeling about their mentoring relationships, you know, pretty much constantly. And we have a constant feed of these, the responses to that coming through in our day to day. And it's all anonymized. We don't see individuals. We just see impressions. We just see sentiment. So how people are feeling about it. And the stories that come out of the women offshore community are often the, the, the most kind of, you know, I, I guess for want, it's a bit corny, but heartwarming, you know, they do they get you in your heart they're really wonderful stories about people who have uh, connected across you know common ground even though they're in vastly different circumstances and vastly different places so it's really like it's such an inspiring program that you run and we do run a, a number of different programs similar in tone if if not as as kind of impressive in scale so we run a number of different programs that are around women in leadership or connecting women in male-dominated industries and we also um, run other programs for the minorities or for people who are underrepresented so we run some mentoring programs for LGBTQI plus communities, for example, to help people um, navigate entering the workforce and coming out in the workplace, things like that. What we see across these underrepresented groups is when you are a minority in a particular industry, you know, when, when you're underrepresented, we see that you're more likely to be prone to imposter syndrome because you, you don't fit the pattern that you see around you, which um, is often a different type of, you know, type of individual. But for women in particular, more than that, we're kind of fed this story as we as we grow up. And, you know, it, it is a positive story about being able to do anything. You know, women can do it, girls can do it. But because we're starting as a minority, we're already kind of on the back foot and we want to do it all ourselves. So we don't naturally ask for help 
as much as people who might feel comfortable in that environment do. We don't feel comfortable putting our hand up and saying, I don't understand this, because we feel like that just confirms the fact that we're an outsider. And because we don't ask for help, we don't receive help, and we, you know, internalise it, try to do it all ourselves, and that actually that creates bigger problems. And so when you um, give people an opportunity to put their hand up for help, like asking them if they want to be involved in a mentoring program, you kind of sweep away this natural barrier that's just, you know, kind of formed um, psychologically. And asking for help is actually a superpower, you know. It's something that that we can all benefit from no matter who we are, but being able to put your hand up and say, I don't understand this or I need a little bit of help with this is, you know, it just puts you in front of where you would otherwise have been. Knowing all that, is it more important to mentor women than men? I don't think it's more important. Society is in this current stage of its mentoring life cycle, let's say, where we still need to create spaces for women to mentor women. You know, like there's a bit of a correction that needs to take place. And so I think there still need to be these safe spaces where women can help each other through the unique challenges and opportunities that we have. But we do see a future where mentoring isn't so demographic based, where where everyone can access great mentoring connections. And we, we want to cut across the stream. You know, we want to move away from just being you know here's a mentoring program for women here's a mentoring program for this type of person here's a mentoring program for this type of person in a world that we imagine in the future you know how different would it be if like let's say the kind of male leaders of tomorrow had had powerful female mentors when they were just getting started you know it's actually that kind of diversity of experience and that kind of more uh, I guess broadly inclusive mentoring opportunity that we're really excited about in the future but we we do I guess understand that you know where we are at the moment we it's important to create these safe spaces for for underrepresented groups yeah absolutely I agree and I like the opportunities where you can bring women and men together and mentor each and and see them help each other and I think some people perceive women offshore as really only for women and they don't realize that uh, we help some men and and I specifically help a lot of guys with their careers and provide mentoring when some Someone reaches out to me and even yesterday a guy wrote us we were featured on our local news station here got some mail afterwards and one guy accused us of only helping women we can't open up all those doors on our own with an industry that's 98 percent male providing opportunities for both men and women's so important yeah i totally agree i 98 is yeah that's an extraordinary imbalance as well So have you found virtual mentoring to be important to male-dominated industries in general? What are some of the stories coming out of the Mentor Loop community? When mentoring is left to happen organically, like tends to pair with like. And what I mean by that is the kind of, you know, the, the most obvious example would be older white male sees something of himself in younger white male and takes him under his wing and wants to help him out. And that's a beautiful impulse, you know. We don't want to stop that from happening. But if you are all suddenly thrown into this, you know, virtual scenario, you actually have an opportunity to disrupt those traditional advocacy pathways. And so we do see that virtual mentoring leads to better results for underrepresented groups because it does kind of um, solve that issue of access and solve that issue of like automatically going towards like. If you're in the minority in any kind of industry, you're up against challenges. And, you know, for me personally, entering the tech scene early on in my career, I'd look around and I just know that I didn't belong 
there because I didn't match that pattern of what I saw around me. And that really feeds into issues such as imposter syndrome. And I do kind of come back to imposter syndrome because I do, uh, you know, believe that it, and we see it across some of our clients, whether it's women in a male dominated industry or whether it's, you know, maybe another underrepresented cultural group um, who are trying to get a, a foot in the door in, you know, government or education, for example, that that imposter syndrome can really hold people back because they, you know, they they don't want to stick their neck out basically any more than it already is. You know, they want to toe the line. And so they don't ask for help. And, and we certainly believe that with virtual mentoring, by enabling people to connect in a way where maybe the stakes feel a bit lower in the sense that they're not actually fronting up to another person and, and asking them, you know, for that cup of coffee there, that it's enabled via, a, you know, a virtual tool. That means that people are more comfortable. Uh, they can kind of get started at their own pace. And um, the communication can also be uh, asynchronous in the sense that you don't have to be in the same place at the same time. You don't have to have the same schedule you know if you're a working mum for example and you have certain hours of the day where you're just not available then virtual makes it easier for you to communicate on your own terms yeah I like that last part about communicating on your own terms and and then choosing maybe the communication method that works best for you we encourage people to use our our mentoring platform however we know that some people communicate better through text or whatsapp or a phone call whatever works for them and so they can schedule that out through the mentoring platform and then use the system that works for them the best Agree. And I think that's a big part of what we want to do with mentorship. We don't want to dictate, you know, like it's a kind of, it's a really delicate thing, a mentoring relationship, you know, it's a human relationship. We want to improve it. We want to make it more accessible, but we don't want to get in the way of it. And so, yeah, that's a really great point. It's, you know, communicate in the way that makes sense for you and your, your schedule and your, your preferences. Um, and then, yeah, mentor loops kind of in the background to, as a helping hand. But what about finding a mentor outside of the program? How can one go about seeking mentoring informally? And I guess my question for you is, can you go up to someone and say, will you be my mentor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit awkward. <laughs> um, and it probably doesn't have a great success rate to just approach someone and like cold and say, will you be my mentor? Um, not only because you know, it is a little bit awkward, but also it's intimidating for the mentor too. When you approach someone and say, will you be my mentor? They probably think, oh, what have I got to offer this person? Whereas when you couch the request in, you've achieved this, or I see that you are interested in X, Y, and Z, and I'd love to learn from you about this very specific thing, it actually makes the decision a lot easier for the mentor. And so again, we we are always saying, make it based on a goal, make it based on that desired outcome. You know, sometimes you do see someone who might be five or 10 years ahead of you, and you just like, I really want to learn from that person. And you know, you might get a bit of like a fangirl scenario going on, but you've got to push that aside for a moment and um, think about, okay, well, what do I actually want to achieve here and how can I best frame it to, to help this person help me? The approach is not, will you be my mentor or can we embark on this relationship that's going to be, you know, 10 years long and change both of our lives? The approach is more, I see that you have some expertise in this. It's relevant to me because I'm currently experiencing this. I would love to ask you a couple of questions about how you xyz and you know the more specific you make the ask the easier it is for the person to say yes to it and you know in the back of your mind you might want to be um you know building a long-term relationship you know a long-term uh, mentoring relationship but 
take it take it one meeting at a time and you know um the best thing you can do is is prepare for that meeting when you sit down have an agenda and say to the mentor I've got three things I want to ask you about today when we see that rule of three used with that agenda setting the mentor visibly relaxes because they think oh thank god it's only three things um and you know they know that the conversation is going to be guided for them and so they can really relax and just think about how best to help the mentee in that scenario. So be specific with the ask, set the agenda, always express gratitude. And if you are meeting in person, it doesn't hurt to buy the coffee as well. Uh, And then you can take it from there and and talk about, you know, at the end of it, say, look, I'd I'd love to, you know, try some of these things that we've talked about today. And if it's okay with you, check back in in three weeks time and and perhaps we can have another conversation about it. And, you know, it's very difficult for for a mentor to, to resist that kind of appeal. And so we'd say, take it softly softly always lead with with gratitude for their time and 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 always prepare as a mentee what can one do to give back to their mentor we talked earlier about how it's a two-way street and and each will get something out of the relationship but what can a mentee do to express that gratitude in a way that the mentor gets somewhat of a gift out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that the first gift is that preparation and that respect for the for the mentor's time, you know, because that just makes it so easy for the mentor to opt in. Expressing gratitude overtly, of course, by buying the coffee, by saying thank you is great in the moment. But we also are big believers in the delayed thank you. And so you might say thank you to your mentor the first time you meet them and, and for a particular piece of advice. But once you enact that advice, you know, with mentoring, we're often talking about really small changes that you make in your day to day and the the results of which may not be immediately obvious to you, but they become course corrections that over time put you in a very different position to where you otherwise would be. And so if you, as an exercise, every six months or so, sit down and think about what advice has helped me in the last six months, what has actually changed things for me? Then um, you look back and you see these conversations that were, you know, in the moment actually life changing for you. And that delayed thank you. So at that point, writing a card or writing an email or putting in a phone call or even an endorsement on LinkedIn, whatever it happens to be, and actually giving that delayed thank you, demonstrating that not only did you listen, but you enacted and then you've evaluated and you've reflected and you've seen what an impact it had on you. That's really powerful stuff. When a mentor, you know, they've forgotten the conversation potentially you know and it comes back to them in the form of thanks so much for that bit of advice you gave me it led me to realize this and now I'm in this much better position that's really powerful stuff and positive reinforcement it means that mentor is more likely to help the next person who asks them as well yeah that is so powerful and it's something I've experienced with a mentor where I went back months later and told her what an impact she had on my my life and I remember her response that she was just floored to hear about it because she had forgotten (laughs) about the conversation like you had said but what a beautiful thing for her you know to have that in her day it probably it probably put a spring in her step for you know weeks afterwards oh absolutely so one last question for you lucy do you have any last pieces of advice for those looking to strengthen their mentoring relationships further? We're always so full of advice with, you know, gratitude and paying it forward and and the whole thing. I, I think it's just, it all comes down to being intentional about it. And, you know, I think this goes for all of our human relationships, but just think about what you want to get out of it, but what you can deliver to the other person and be intentional in how you interact. Um, 
and and by that I mean you know obviously there's there's preparation there's respect there's gratitude but importantly there's reflection and I think that we we potentially because it is everything is so fast-paced we're just always moving on to that next big thing that you know our next challenge and I'm I'm very guilty of this as well I don't necessarily reflect and I don't necessarily celebrate success properly either and so I think to, to strengthen your mentoring relationships rather than jumping onto the next problem you want to solve really spend some time reflecting on on how far you've come as well and you know the gratitude will flow from that but also I, I think tools and uh, ways that you can operate better in the future will come out of it too so there's yeah there's huge power in in that that reflection for you personally but with your mentor as well even a little exercise to sit down and say okay let's look at the last six months of our relationship and talk about what's gone well and what we could improve that that that's just a game changer when you can build those habits into your day-to-day thanks so much lucy for coming on the women offshore podcast it's such a pleasure to have been on it thanks ali for having us and um yeah thank you to to the whole women offshore community because it's a beautiful mentoring organic mentoring culture that you guys are building thanks for tuning in to the women offshore podcast this has been episode 26 What did you think of the show? Leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Additionally, if you want to propel Women Offshore forward, please visit womenoffshore.org or womenoffshore.shop, make a donation, or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon.